The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Good morning, Sam Sam. When is it going to be over? I swear I'm running out of like alibis now. I mean, I can only be like in the guest room when he's in the living room with the candlestick so many times. I'm running out of things to cook. What about you? Oh my God. Oh my God. No, it's literally getting to, we're getting to the bare bones now. I'm like uh, peanut butter and jelly. And then I'll like fucking can of baked yeah. beans is what you get for yeah. dinner and you just, you're thankful for it. Yeah, all you do is old... beans these days. <laughs> all you do is put a little piece of lettuce on the plate and jazz it up a little bit. It looks like a fancy meal. There nice. you go. So, <laughs> yeah. We're very lucky today because we have Sarah Colonna, whom yes. I loved for so long. I've actually, I was such a big fan of Chelsea lately. I'm sure you hate this because I was on a show Pretty Liars and I'm like, if you mention that show one more time, I'm going to kill someone. <laughs> no, no I don't mind it. I don't mind it. But when I heard that Roxy knew you I was like it was faster than I could get to the fridge in quarantine so thank you so much for coming on our show we are very grateful to have you Thank so you. excited to have you, Miss Sarah. Yeah, okay, thank so. you for having me. And no, I never get offended by the Chelsea Lately thing. I never get sick of it because <laughs> uh, it like it launched so many great fans, and they're like yeah. they're a very loyal fan base. So I'm all for it. Um, uh, wear that as a badge forever. <laughs> so good, so good. Well, Sarah, okay, tell us how is this quarantine going for you? What what is the latest, and like how are you handling it? What's the deal? I mean, it's a lot, you know, <laughs> as is everybody. Um, I will say we're very lucky here. I have a, um, like a Peloton and a treadmill. Mm-hmm. So I have an outlet. I have somewhere to, I can't really make an excuse not to go do that. I have something yeah. to at least sort of make me sweat and think about. Um, but yeah, just like you guys were talking about running out of things to cook. I am, I have like uh, two dishes I used to make before this. One was pasta and one was lemon chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I'm really, I'm it's, trying to make a lasagna tonight. I'm not like, I don't, 
I can't eat. I don't even know who I am. I'm going to try <laughs> yeah. to make a lasagna and it's not going to fucking go well. Like my, my daughter said to me um, the other day, she said, mom, I, I love it when you make me cookies, but you've never given me any that aren't burnt. <laughs> I, like, I was like, girl, the fact that I'm in the freaking kitchen cooking your ass, <sighs> you should be extremely grateful. I'm like, don't even. Um, but are you getting a, like? Are you guys getting a little wacky too about like food rationing? Like my daughter took a bite of a banana and threw the rest of it away in the in the garbage. I was like, hold up! I like pulled that banana out. I was like, you are going to eat this whole banana. We are not throwing this perfectly fine banana that you took one bite out of away. I feel like we're in like rationing. Like it's kind of scary. No, it is. Well, and I, it's getting a little bit better when you go to the store. I mean, it kind. I feel like it depends on the day, but. When I first, when it first started, people were, I think they thought the grocery stores were going to close or something. Mm -hmm. So people are just buying like every, you know, everything. And so in that, I didn't want to hoard stuff, but then it made me panic. Like, do I need to buy everything? Do I need to have a case of, you know, spaghetti noodles and dry beans? Because that's all I'm going to be able to, (laughs) I don't know. So, but it's getting a little, I feel like it's a little calmer right now in that situation, but we'll see. I said to Roxy that my husband preparing this for this his whole life because he's from Arkansas. Um, I know that that's kind of where your family are from. Is that right? Yeah, I grew up yeah. in Arkansas. Yeah. yeah, so he's like, I'm I'm ready to like light a fire. <laughs> like, he has like his whole like fridge in there with like pants. Like I got toilet paper for a month. I don't know why the, the accent came out. He gets very um he, he gets very uh, southern when these types of things happen. Um, yeah, he's been ready for this his whole life. Where is he from? What part? I don't know. I don't know that much about him. <laughs> no, he's actually not that close. This is like a sad thing to say. He's not that close to his family, but it's weird because so much of his past is it, it is in who he is now. You know, he's like such a good Southern boy and all those like Southern values. Like when I first met him, he would always like pay for everyone and like open the door and just like got really good like Southern roots. Um, but he's not that close to his family. So we didn't, we didn't go back and forth very much. Um, but I, but I feel like an affinity towards that, that part of, uh, the U S. Yeah. I definitely feel like the Southerners, like they're probably laughing at us, all of us on the, you know, West coast panicking. They're probably like, we got this, like we got, you know, a couple of sticks and some, (laughs) and some, I don't know, a a tent cover and we'll be fine. Like they've got it figured out. Yeah. You know, and speaking of husbands, as we're talking about husbands, how are you and your husband dealing in quarantine? Are you guys killing each other yet? Not yet. Um, <laughs> and we're, we're doing pretty well, I think. Okay. I noticed what, like, we have um, we have a good amount of space, so that's good. That helps, I think, like having a different room to walk into. Um, but the other day, I was definitely a little bit on edge. Like, I was, I walked in the living room and I was like talking, like bitching about somebody on the next door app being, you know rude to other people. And I was just like, why are people being rude on next door app? And he was like, why, what, what are you talking about? Like, first of all, and he just went in another room for like three hours and read a book. And like, I didn't even look for him. He didn't look for me. And I respected that. I was like, he's just going to go get away. And Mm -hmm. when I stop complaining about weird, nonsensical things that I don't need to, he'll come back out and it'll be safe. 
<laughs> so you guys are pretty like chill about that stuff. I mean, you guys have gotten it down. Like you're like not exploding each other. Like my husband and I, yeah, Roxy's I like, mean, Roxy's like, <laughs> like, okay. Every time we speak to each other, Roxy's like, I think I'm done. Like, I think I'm out. Like I don't know how to get, I don't know how to get out of my marriage, but I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. The quarantine has killed us. Yeah, like, we have to actually deal with our issues. Like she said last podcast, she's like, I have to grow from this. We actually have to talk it out. Like we have to run away. I'm like, oh my God, that's called maturity. I just can't escape. I can't escape it. Yeah. It really does force you to be introspective though. Right. With not only yourself, but your husband too. Yeah. Yeah. Like last night I was, I was, I had like one of my dishes that I figured out and it's nothing fancy. It's just some risotto from a box and some chicken that hopefully is cooked through. Um, and I was like, I called it the quarantine risotto because I was like, this is my one thing I know how to make right now. That's a little different. So last night he's like, oh, are you making quarantine risotto? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I had how to make. And he was like, but no, but you called it that. I wasn't calling it that. And I'm like, oh, that's, I forgot about that. So <laughs> you just have like moments where you're like, why am I mad? And then they kind of go away. But we're actually not used to being together all the time. Like mm-hmm. we actually live apart half the year. Oh. Due to work, like he works he used to work in Seattle and now he works in Canada. And it's like now it's almost like, Oh cool. We get to be together a little more, but at the same time, so we're grateful, but at the same time, we're not used to it. So there's just sort of like a balance, I think. Yeah. Maybe that's the secret. And it's all, yeah. those secret, it's all those secret behaviors that you have when you're alone that you're like, I don't want my husband to know that I put like really thick coconut oil on the heels of my feet and then put them in like, like wrapping, like I wrap them in saline wrap or whatever that is. Like, I don't want him to see my single like behavior. You know what I mean? But he's in my grill all the time. And the thing is like, I would like to see another face like that mm-hmm. would be exciting to me. And I do love him, but I'm like, I've seen every part of your face. He asked me to plat, like braid his hair the other day. And I'm like, we are getting too close. Like this is like, w- it's enough. Like I don't need to do that. And you don't need to see how bad wa- waxing I need down there. Like we it's, we're done. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could just like cut out a face from a magazine and just have him like yeah. wear it over his face and just pretend he's someone else for a day. Is that weird? <laughs> I'm, I mean, I do that when we have sex, I close my eyes really hard. and I, <laughs> I, I think about the postman. No. Right. I mean, it's the only thing you can do sometimes when you see the same person over and over again, you know, dying for that human interaction. I don't know when that's going to come, though. I know. It feels like it's going to be a while. It feels like right? I, keep, I, I keep acting like it'll they're just giving us worst case, but it'll be better sooner. But right. I don't I think I'm just lying to myself. And that's fine. <laughs> so I believe that comedy is something that connects us so much in dark times and you're a comedian how are you feeling when it comes to being funny right now because it's it's it, there's a sensitive spot about what you can um you know be funny about obviously yeah totally i mean part of it's hard because i'm so used to you know all the all my i mean everyone's struggling with the work thing obviously but like oh i had live shows that were all canceled and that's what i'm used to doing you know doing mm-hmm. these shows at clubs and connecting with people so I really miss that, obviously. Um, but it is—it's a good question to ask about, like how the things about what you can joke about, because obviously there's a lot of heartache in all of this, you know. But it's the stuff like we're talking about right now that people can laugh about and relate to. Or I've been doing a thing where I give like quarantine tips, like I'm like every three days put on a pair of jeans, make sure they zip up, and then go right back to your house pants, like you know, just sort of 
you find light, fun things that everyone can kind of relate to. And then you're not making light of the entire situation. You're just making, you know, you've got to find humor in dark times, no matter what. So I think as long as you do it tastefully and, and not poke fun at the the tragic parts of it, Mm -hmm. uh, then everyone needs that, you know? Yeah. So do you watch the news consistently or do you like for your mental state, do you kind of like remove yourself from that? Are you like kind of obsessed with all the press conferences and everything that's going on or do you, I I kind of stay away from the press conferences and then I get Mm -hmm. the, and I get the information after because there's just, it's just so much. And, Mm -hmm. and then there's just like, you know, people arguing with each other during it and things that you're just like, I don't, this isn't helping me. I'll read the highlights and the things I need to know afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like that's a little felt made me feel a little bit better to step away from. Um, but watching in the morning, you know, I I usually turn on the news in the morning, obviously to just to sort of see what's going on. So, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, anything happened overnight, is it cured? Are we good? Um, so I'm trying to do that, but I'm trying not to overwhelm myself. So I feel like sitting down and watching these, you know, um, yeah. obviously there's important information coming out of press conferences. So I don't uh, disagree with anyone that wants to watch them. I just feel like for me, watching a couple hours of all of that is is too much. So I'd rather just find out what I need to know afterwards. <laughs> do you feel like all this time is making you creative or the opposite? Because Roxy and I have children and I don't, like we don't like it's just all we do we are doing is attending to their needs like that's all we do all day and i thought like if i had more time would i be creative and then like uh, you obviously think that you would but then it's you you know i've never been through a pandemic before so i don't know if all your creative juices are flowing you know i think it's it, it's a bit of both yeah it's like some days they are some days i'm like oh i thought of this you know Um, especially relating to like when I am going to perform again, like the time, you know, when, when all this really is over and we all get to go back to, to that stuff, uh, I'll, I'll write down things that happened throughout the day or that I observe, like to try to be like, well, this, you know, this is stuff we're going to be able to talk about for a while after this. Like, like I said, the light, you know, the parts that we find humor in. So I try to kind of keep note of that sort of stuff. Um, and there's days that I'm like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to get to a proposal on another book because why not? I have the time. Mm-hmm. And then I don't. And, um, someone said it really well to me. They were like, it was actually my agent, which really caught me off guard, but he was like, you know, this is like a forced timeout for everybody. Mm-hmm. So you, mm-hmm. you don't have to force yourself to feel super productive during it. If you're not, it's okay. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so I'm sort of finding that balance because for me, I also obviously need to feel creative. Um, mm-hmm. And doing things like this actually helps me, like doing podcasts and, and just connecting with people and feeling like I'm putting some kind of content out there that maybe entertains people and, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, like you guys do. So that kind of helps too. Okay. Yeah. It's always nice to, I know weekly I get to see Tamman's face. So I'm like, oh, yeah. it's a person outside of my house. And now you, Sarah. Yes. <laughs> so what I do is I, I put so my nice. top on and then like at the bottom, I like literally, I was like, should I just be in underwear just to fuck with everyone? Because like no one can see me. <laughs> no one knows. I, yeah. I could be in like, like some kind of granny panties. Like you guys would never know. Would or you never could be know. in like, you could be in like full bondage gear. Oh, I totally could. <laughs> I could be in like leather and lace. Like right down here um, high heel I, boots I, I mean I've got my, just my tracks on but it's it's funny because I don't think I've changed I just wear the same thing 
every day and I just put it in the corner until it smells so bad that I'm like, you know what? We should probably... (laughs) That's why everyone's like, what is that smell? But it's like, you don't have to impress anyone. I'm always doing makeup on you guys through through Zoom, but that's about it. Like, yours is as good as it's going to get, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. I, I know. Like, shower. My, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. My husband was like, Oh, do you have a Zoom today? Because I had mascara <laughs> on. And I, was like, yeah, yeah. I do. Okay. You're welcome. It was like, <laughs> You are dressed up, girl. Yeah. Balls <laughs> to the wall. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a Southern girl too. I grew up in Dallas. Um, so yeah, it's great. But I I also like, when I think about home, there are like certain things I miss, you know, little Southern traditions and things like that. What do you miss the most about the South? I think the community of it, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you feel, um, like I I grew up in a really small town called Farmington in Arkansas. That's like right outside of Fayetteville. And then I went to college at the, at the U of A, which is in Fayetteville. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, when you go, even when I've taken like my husband back there, he's from a small town in Canada, so he's pretty Mm. used to it. But if you take someone else that's never really been to a small town there and you're driving down the road and on that, like basically a dirt road and someone waves at you and you're like, you wave. And I had a friend who was with me one time and she's like, do you know that person? And I'm like, no, we just wave here. We just wave at people. I know, it's so (laughs) great. We wave at strangers. So it's nice. nice. Yeah. It's very welcoming, you know? It's like a very warm sense of community there. Yeah. We're a lot more isolated here, you know? We're more isolated. I feel like um, I now know one of my neighbors pretty well here, but mm-hmm. for the most part, everywhere I've lived here, I never really knew my neighbors that well. And I, mm-hmm. in Arkansas, at, you know, you know your neighbor and if their dog got out, you brought their dog over or yeah. they, <laughs> they brought the bread over or, so that kind of like sense of that is uh, is nice, but now I kind of feel like people are starting to do that because they don't have anyone else to talk to. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Your That's mom true. was a secretary in a funeral home. Is that right? Yeah, she still is. Okay, so that scares. So Roxy and I have this big fear of death. Like we yes. just, we've just always had. Since I was a little girl, I was always freaked out that I was going to die, and what happens after you die. So what what was it like being a young girl growing up with a mom who worked at a funeral home? Like what was your mom like as a person? Are you it's, close to her? <laughs> yeah, we're really close. We're really okay. close. She, she, and she's still working, which I hate, but you know, it's a funeral home, so they have to stay open right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. but she, yeah. <laughs> people are still going to die. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, it's funny. Cause I have, I think about death a lot too. I don't know if it's a fear or just because of uh, the fact that I've been around it my whole life, mm-hmm. but it, it did give me like, and my mom used to come home from work when I was little and I'd be like, how was work? And she'd be like, oh, we were slammed. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so everyone's oh dead. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like, it's not, you know, it's not like waiting at a, waiting tables where it's awesome to be slammed. I'm like, so the bodies are just like, fucking <laughs> right. <it out." laughs> so that kind of gave me like this outlook of like, okay, so I guess I just understand that people die at all the time that we don't hear about at an alarming rate. Um, (laughs) and it, it, it's, it's strange. It's like, she's, my mom is always, always very concerned about dying, but not in the sense of like, because she works at a funeral home, Mm -hmm. I think, but I don't know. It's cause she's not dying, but she's just like, her mom had cancer. So she's like, cancer's going to get me. And she's just real blunt about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and I'm always like, I don't think that's how it works, but I guess because she works in that atmosphere, she just talks very bluntly about death and when it's going to hit her. I mean, I've never seen a dead body. So it's like, what is it like? Have you seen many dead bodies? 
I saw one once. It wasn't, it was very, <laughs> yeah, it was waxy, I, right? Yeah. yeah it, was, it was so weird. It was like, um, I was there. I used to have to go there after school because my mom, mm-hmm. moved, she raised, she was a single mom uh, most of my, like when I was super young. So I went there after school, um, to wait for her to get off work. And I was supposed to, if they came by and closed this door from this mm-hmm. room that I was in where I could watch TV, if they came by and closed the door, that meant like, don't open the door because they're oh. doing something. Right? right. Well, I had to go to the bathroom and I kind of forgot. Oh. So I open up the door and there's just a body in a casket. <gasps> fully, oh my gosh. You know, they were like oh. moving her into the, into the oh my gosh. Thing. And I was like, okay, never open a door. I can't. Yeah, I can't. Well, I can kind of, I can relate to you about the funeral home, like in a small town. Cause my cousins in Lufkin, Texas, like in the deep, deep East side of Texas, owned a funeral home. So I remember like, yes, yeah, so I remember. And when you owned a funeral home in a small town in the South, you were living high on the hog. I mean, that is like a, like a really yeah. good job. You know? <laughs> but, um, but it's funny. I remember, you know, also going to that funeral home and it, it death, maybe that's part of like what I get, why I have a fear of death, but like, now are you afraid of dying? Like, is that something that's been like ingrained in you because of like, you know, growing up and like going to the funeral home and stuff? Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm afraid of getting murdered. Like I'm convinced I'll get murdered. And I don't Ooh. really think that comes from, I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. Always, yeah. <laughs> and like, why um, you? Do you know what I mean? Like my husband's always like, why, the, why you? Like, why are you the person who's going to get murdered? Why do you think you're so special? Yeah. Like, right. he's like I'm like, the plane's going to go down. He's like, why is the gonna, plane going to go down for you? He's like, I'm like, oh, you're probably right. Like, I think I'm too good. Like, that's why it's going to choose me. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. I, I, I have like, I don't know. It's like, I have a fear of someone like breaking and stabbing me. So I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> It's not great. <laughs> well, clearly you didn't get murdered making your way to Hollywood from Arkansas. Thank God. <laughs> so how did you, how did you make that jump from, from Arkansas to Hollywood? Uh, it was interesting. It was, I, I mean, I was, I think ignorance is bliss. I was 21 and I had just graduated college. So I moved with sort of, um, you know, just to a dream and, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know what I was, what, how it was going to shake out. I was lucky for a little mm-hmm. transition. My dad lives actually in Orange, in Orange County, or he did at the okay. time. Now, I, and now he's in Palm Desert. But so my dad lived there at, with my stepmom, and so I had someone to, you know, visit to see to feel like I wasn't completely alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed with them for a couple of months to save money to move up to Los Angeles and get a and get a, um, apartment and stuff. So I had a little bit of a landing pad in a way, which really helped. Okay. Um, but then once I had a one bedroom apartment and was just living up here, I, you know, like, I just didn't know what I was doing. I just figured it out as I went. <laughs> <laughs> I came from Australia to Los Angeles at 21 with two suitcases as well. And like, you just have a dream, right. And you just don't go back. But I was telling Roxy, we had an interview with Christian Chenoweth and I told her that, um, that I needed a BlackBerry. So do you remember this? So I asked, so the guy, this guy who clearly was not straight, he was like, can I massage your feet and I'll get you a BlackBerry? And I was thinking the whole time, I'm like, am I a hooker? Is this, if he's he's (laughs) not straight? And so I let him give me a massage for a BlackBerry and I got a BlackBerry because I was like, you know what? You just got to do what you got to do when you're 21 years old. 
I mean, that's a good first job. No, but first job. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just a, like a foot massage or a regular? Yeah, it was just a, it was just a foot massage. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you won. You won that one. That was, <laughs> that was it. That's just, that's just good business is what I that is. I thought so. I was trying to yeah. be savvy. Totally. What was your first survival job that obviously wasn't mine? <laughs> um, well, I, too, I used to give massages for... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> But I they guess, went all sorry, yes. Yeah. Definitely just waiting tables was my first job out here. Um, Were you uh, good at then, it? Were you no, good at it? I was like mediocre. I was, uh, uh, <laughs> I was okay at waiting tables. I was definitely a better bartender when I finally got moved up to bartender. Could- <laughs> yeah. So I could drink. And also I was fast. Like I made drinks really fast. I made sure uh-huh. nobody was ever empty. I made strong drinks. I was a really good bartender. And I didn't have to like, I know that people think that bartenders stand and chat with you, but when they're busy, they really don't, you know, we're like, so, and if I, it wasn't busy, I just act busy because I didn't want to talk to anyone. So I was definitely better at bartending because I didn't have to, you know, t- waiting tables, you have to kiss so much ass mm-hmm. when people are being rude to you. And with bartending, you can just be like, all right, well, I guess you just won't get a drink then and walk away. Yeah. So that's more suited for my personality. Ah, nice. Nice. Um, so when did you know, you know, doing all these jobs and everything, when did you know you wanted to be a comedian? Um, I, I moved out here hoping to be, um, uh-huh. uh, I moved out here, like I had studied uh, acting in college and that's what I came out to do because we didn't have a comedy club in Fayetteville at the time. So I didn't even, <laughs> I knew I wanted to do it, but I hadn't ever gotten a chance to. Um, but I knew I always wanted to do it. So I just started, um, I took like, I started taking different classes. Um, like I took an improv class and that's actually where I met yeah. Chelsea Handler. So and then cool. we were, and she wanted to do stand up too. And she hadn't done it yet either. We were probably like 23, 24 by then. And, um, so we kind of started doing open mics together. Um, so I kind of found like a comedy buddy, which I think was really helpful because there would be times where I'd be like, no, I'm not going to go to some coffee shop and tell jokes because that sounds awful. But she would be like, no, that's what we have to do. And I'd go, okay, I guess that's how it works then. And, and I sort of stumbled my way around through that. So I'd always wanted to, I just wasn't sure how to. And again, again, I guess ignorance being bliss, I just sort of did what I, you know, mm-hmm. saw everyone else doing. And then you start meeting other comics and finding about other places to perform that maybe you can get more stage time or there's a better audience and things like that. Cause none of it's comedy clubs yet when you're fresh and new, it's all, you know, little places around town yeah. that are letting, letting you perform. Mm-hmm. Roxy and I are, um, Roxy's in the groundlings right now and I'm in, uh, UCB. And I just think improv teaches you so much about life in so many ways, you know, it's just, you find that game that they all talk about and then you play on that. And that's kind of just comedy definitely gives another version of what life is and just connection with people. But it's interesting because I've been around comedians for quite a while recently. Um, my husband's also sort of one. I feel like comedians can cover up some sense of sadness sometimes. And it's almost like that funny is, is because they have other things that they're trying to get out, you know, do you feel that way with comedians? Because there is a lot of depression that, that comes, um, with, with comedy. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because I'd like to say no, because there's mm-hmm. times that I'm like, well, I don't really feel like I'm from that place. I mean, yeah. I have, you know, we all have our moments, we all have, but, yeah. um, but, but then I do know so many, you mm-hmm. know, comedians who are, who have a lot of, uh, 
mental or emotional issues. Mm -hmm. And most of them are pretty open about it. I I knew Brody Stevens really well, who, um, if you guys, I don't know if you guys knew him, but he, um, committed suicide and Mm -hmm. it was a really wonderful, lovely guy, but, um, just struggled with mental issues. So it is there for sure. And it's, so it's not made up, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I, I just don't, I'm not sure why. I just think that people who have sort of a dark mind sometimes do turn to comedy Mm -hmm. to relieve that. Mm -hmm. Um, not everyone, but some, obviously Mm -hmm. I definitely find humor in, in moments when I probably shouldn't, but you know, uh, (laughs) but that's what gets me out of it. I don't, like I said, like speaking of what's going on now, I'm not going to make jokes about awful things that are happening, Mm -hmm. but in my own life, if something throws me off, sometimes I'll I'll Mm -hmm. just try to find something funny about it. So that's there, but that the the side that you're talking about, like the darkness for some people, um, it it's definitely real, and I'm not I'm not sure why. You know, I'm not sure why it's so prevalent, but it does it is in a lot of artists too, right? right. Musicians and actors, and so I think just creative types tend to have more. Um, this is their outlet. This is where mm-hmm. they go. Is they become creative people. So, who inspires you in stand up, and like, who are some of the up and comers too that you're really liking right now? Um, I like, I don't know if you've ever seen like Ellen DeGeneres. Is oh, she's like, so great. Oh my gosh. And I, think, like, I, I was, I was glad she did a special recently, you know, because I think a lot of people now know her as this talk show host and don't even kind of realize, like I used to watch her do stand up, you know, just like clip after clip because she just has that fun, that great delivery. So, mm-hmm. you know, conversational Kathy Griffin, the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. that girl, <laughs> I remember the first time I watched her perform and I was like, she is nonstop. Like just her brain just goes, you know, mm-hmm. and she would tell a story and then she has these great inflections and would go to it. And I love that kind of stuff. Um, but there's some good, there's definitely some good oh. comedians up and coming that I've worked with. Like this girl, Mary Redzinski, who I, mm-hmm. um, she opens for me a lot. Um, mm. I met her in Philadelphia and, and I, um, she was opening for me there. So then I bring her wherever I can now. So I, I definitely get cool. to see fun people when I'm out on the road like that. Last That's night I, um, I watched and I so needed it because I was in such a foul mood. Um, I must have been PMSing or just <laughs> quarantine with my husband for four weeks. <laughs> and children, It could just be that. Um, but uh, she did Quarter Life Crisis. Do you know who that is? Oh, yeah. Taylor Tomlinson. Oh, yeah. She's so oh, yeah. funny. Yeah. And she's so, her set is so tight, which is such a stand-up word. Um, yeah. So it's so uh, polished and tight for being that young that I yeah. was actually so impressed because I watch a lot of those stand-up because we're doing it right now, Roxy and I, mm-hmm. um, just to see like what I enjoy and what I don't. And it's just like she, her timing is off the charts. Like she's, yeah. she's, she's one to watch for sure. She really is. She's super funny. Um, I really liked that special too. Mm-hmm. I saw it and uh, it was so good. She's funny. Yeah. So how do you write a set? Like how does that go down? Like how, from nuts to bolts, like how do you create a stand-up set? Um, for me, which would be really tricky right now is... Uh, I usually, I find I kind of write from stage. I mean, I have the general idea, but um, I kind of, I do storytelling really for, you know, I'm not, I'm not like joke, 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 which I mean, I think most comedians at this point are, that you see are doing a lot of of that, of that same style, um, more of like a little bit longer of a story with a lot of laughs in it with a payoff, you know? Um, But so I'll sort of start working something out like that on stage. And to me, it's like, 
you know, now that I have a really good hour, I can, um, sneak in kind of some new stuff and test it out while still making sure that I'm giving a really good show. And then if that thing I'm testing out isn't working, I can, you know, either mark it for later or abandon it completely. Cause never mind, that was only funny in my head or whatever. Mm. But, um, it's definitely like working it out in front of audiences for me is the best way to go because it's the only real answer. Cause when you're you can think something is working in, in your head and it's very different when it's live. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so funny. Tamman mentioned that we both do improv and um, Tamman and I have talked about this and how scary it is to go up there and you are like, oh my God, I like, you're like shitting bricks because you're like, <laughs> yeah. I really fucked this one up. Like, that's it. You get so embarrassed. But, and I feel like I bombed so many times when I've been up there, like trying, you know, practicing improv. Have you ever bombed on stage? Do you remember a moment that you bombed on stage? Oh yeah. I mean, that just made my armpit sweat to think about. Um, oh yeah. I had, I say my word, I had definitely like, I had, I was pretty new to it. Um, uh-huh. and I had like, I think I had 10 minutes tops, you know, ready to go, which is kind mm-hmm. of what, when you start doing it and you're building your set, um, especially in LA, that's really all the time you get on stage. Anyway, you don't get 30 minutes to just go, you know, some new person just trying stuff out. So I had like a good 10 minute set for this showcase that I was supposed to do for the Montreal comedy festival. And Mm -hmm. I guess that it was supposed to be 15 minutes. Nobody told me, um, Mm. I was going up before this was, so this is how long this was, uh, Drew Carey used to do this headlining show at the improv. And it was when he was on whose line it is, is it anyway? So it was like packed every time he was there and for people to see him because he had all these big celebrity guests. It was this whole big thing. Uh Um, I think it was whose line. I don't know. Anyway, it was something that he was always doing. And so um, I went on stage before Drew Carey in front of nothing but industry and a bunch of his fans. And I ate shit so bad. Like, and I didn't know, like, the whole set that I had worked out had been doing so well, but it was just this, you know, that's the weird thing is sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. But in this case, since I was new, I didn't know how to handle and move on to something else. Right. I didn't have anything else. (laughs) Like that was it. Um, and so I did my 10 minutes and then I just said, thank you. And I got off stage and I still had five minutes left. Oh, and so oh God. the poor, the poor MC that night, like I wish to God, I knew who it was so I could find that person and like give him a fucking money or cookies or something. Or a blowjob. <laughs> or, blow, or, or, yeah. or a foot massage and a blowjob. Yeah, yeah, I, like, <laughs> I was like, I won. Okay, I won. Yeah. I mean, that guy, like he was in the bar because he didn't need to be there yet. So then there was just nobody on stage for a couple minutes until he was alerted that I had gotten off stage early and he ran out there and I just went in the bathroom and cried. I mean, it was, but how do you keep going? How do you keep going? Like, how do you go back on set after that happens? And that's like, I think about that in life in general with any business you start or career or anything creative. It's like, what drives us? Cause I know Roxy and I are like this too. It's like when you fail, what is it in us that just wants wants to eat shit even more that we just keep going? No, I don't know. I honestly, like there, there was definitely a couple of weeks of, of me not getting on stage or even thinking that I ever could again. But, um, and then I just, I just talked to other friends and I was just like, you know, other comedians and they were just like, it's just part of it. I mean, yours was probably the worst case scenario. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> As far as like I had been performing in front of, you know, uh, people 
in an industry that didn't even know me yet and um, that were probably never going to you know, look me up again. But I think they probably forgot about me way before I forgot about what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so if I saw them again, it would probably be new or uh, to them because they probably just stopped paying attention. <laughs> and then, you know what? Like, a few years later, I got to go to the Montreal Comedy Festival as one of Variety's 10, top, 10 comics to watch. And I was like, all right, it's all fine now. Like, yeah. it comes back. Like, I'm glad I, you know, I'm glad I kept going through it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Well, you, you know, you appeared as a regular on Chelsea Handler. Um, and, you know, it's funny because it is such a cutthroat business. Um, and you guys are both comedians. Did you ever feel any sort of like competition with Chelsea or was it always very like, you know, amicable? It was always amicable. I just yeah. think the, 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 most, the thing that was hard for me with, with, um, with the show, really, the only thing that was hard with her was like when she first got it, um, mm-hmm. they didn't have like three comics a night. It was like a comic and then like an Us Weekly correspondent and then mm-hmm. like Scott Bayo. Like so they would have a random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, uh, wild card. <laughs> yeah. So the comics mm. that they were having on, I mean, I'd been working at that point for a while, but like the comics that they were having on were obviously bigger names than, than I was at that point. And, and so, mm-hmm. um, it was kind of like, Oh, that's a bummer. She has a show and I can't be on it, but I was so happy for her. I did. I was like, it'll be fine. And then after a year, um, they decided or, or several months or something, they were like, mm-hmm. this, this works better with comics, like all comics. So then mm-hmm. it got a bigger rotation of people and they wanted to introduce comics that people didn't know as well. So, you know, she had, she gave them obviously names of people and the talent booker would go see us perform. And, and it, it, she still wasn't to the point where she could just be like, put this person on, you know, cause mm-hmm. it was still kind of a new show for, mm-hmm. for E2. So, um, but anyway, that's the, the hard part was the point that I, that she could book me and I got on the show. I just remember all day thinking, Oh no, what if I <laughs> blow this for my yeah. friend? You know, like she gave me an opportunity and if I suck, she can't do anything about it. They'll be like, sorry, she can't come yeah. back on. Um, <laughs> so I was just grateful that it went well. And then it went so well that I ended up becoming a regular. And then they actually hired me to write after like about a year of that too. So explain, I ended up, yeah. Explain to people what a typical show like that consists of like what's what's the day in a life is it an entire week before the live performance like because uh, it was every day right I mean I re- watched it religiously but it was so long ago it was every day so do they rehearse the jokes are you riffing mm. um you know t- tell us what it looks like yeah a lot of riffing uh and we were like live to tape so that meaning it was like on you know for your audience like it was on like we would tape it at three thirty, and then it was airing that night. And, um, you know, the topics needed to be daily. They couldn't be old. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was, uh, starting in the morning and, and everybody pitching topics and ideas and scouring, you know, the, the news, but not like we weren't doing serious <laughs> news. <Yeah. laughs> so like finding the most random story you could, or obviously since it was E, it was a lot of celebrity topics. So it was like, you get up, you'd first, uh, go into your office and like scour the internet for your pitches of topics and then go into the writer's room and then you would pitch the topics. And then once they, if, a, if a topic that Chelsea connected with, you know, cause there'd be a lot of them, but we would usually do like five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, okay, now everyone pitch topics and then everyone pitch jokes on these topics and then we'll write them up. Um, 
and you would kind of be assigned, like if they picked your topic, you'd be mm-hmm. assigned to, and you grab jokes from everyone in the room and put them all down and then hand them to Chelsea. And then, um, you know, and she'd pick, it was like, people always asked if it was off the cuff and you're like, it, it really was. They, I mean, mm-hmm. the round table was off. There was no rehearsal because the mm-hmm. comics just came on and then they had jokes prepared. And um, usually the comics that were coming on would have like two hours maybe to, to come up with the jokes by the time we sent everything out. Mm-hmm. So you'd go on there and you'd just sort of, you'd have a joke prepared or you'd have things prepared for these topics, but you didn't know what the other people were going to say. So if someone either said something similar or threw you off, or if you thought of something else because of something they said. So that's why there was so much ripping on that show. Like mm-hmm. it, that was the fun part of it too, is if you try to stick too much to the script, it actually um, would show. And it actually didn't, didn't go over well. Cause it was, it was definitely more of a vibe of like playing off of each other. And that's what Chelsea, that's where she shined too. She was so good at just being like, mm-hmm. you know, thinking of something off the cuff. So she'd take jokes that we wrote and then mm-hmm. Sometimes she'd do all of them and sometimes she wouldn't do any of them. And sometimes she'd do half of them. You know, it just depended on what she came up with on her own. And she, she always came up with a lot on her own too. It seems like, yeah, it would be a really fun kind of work environment and place to work. And uh, just being with Chelsea too. What was the funniest thing that she ever did in front of you? Oh God. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I watch her Insta stories and I'm like, oh my God, she's so freaking funny. You know? I mean, you know, I think she recently um, skied down a, a mountain with yeah. um, yeah, one hand and, uh, yeah, no pants and no pants on. <laughs> no pants. So uh, things like that. I can't really trying to think, but she was, you know, she is. Uh, people were always like, "Is she like what she? You know, is she the same yeah. as she is?" Yeah, she's the same. Like she's just silly and fun, and uh, uh-huh. you know, but then a hard worker. So things were sometimes it wasn't like it's not like work wasn't all fun and games by any means. It was like you had to get a show done. So we all we we're all on a you know on a schedule and a regimen that like couldn't. They had no, there's no wiggle room for it. Yeah. Do you ever, I mean, I, I feel like we say, and we do believe it to some extent that we want our friends and our female um, counterparts to succeed. Did you ever, was there ever a pang of like, I wish I had my own show? And because you're, you're so talented and isn't that the ultimate yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if there was ever a pang, to be honest. It was more like, because maybe at first I, it, it's, you know, I don't know to be, I, I wish I could say for sure that I did mm-hmm. or didn't, um, yeah. but I won't pretend to like have, be able to connect with like how I felt then. But I, but what did happen from that show is because it focused so much on comedians and it introduced so many comedians, we all got our own audiences out of it and they have stayed and they've been good. And they mm-hmm. bought my, you know, they bought my books when I wrote my books and they mm-hmm. watched my, the, my Netflix show that I was just on. And they like, like they are, um, mm-hmm. really hardcore fans. And so, um, I've always been a little bit more of like, I want to do like television acting or movie acting and then in like a scripted way, you know, mm-hmm. I've written scripts for myself for, for television. So I think I had a different goal in mind for myself mm-hmm. where I didn't, you know, maybe if I was like, all I wanted to be was a talk show host, it would be not all as in, that's a bad thing. I just meant right. all, <laughs> all I wanted uh, mm-hmm. personally, then it probably would have been a little more difficult. But mm-hmm. since I sort of had a different goal, I was like, oh, I have an opportunity to be on TV, mm-hmm. write my own jokes for myself on a round table and then flex mm-hmm. my, you mm-hmm. know, 
my, my writing skills by writing for someone I actually know. So I kind mm-hmm. of got to do best all of, of all of it. A little bit of all of it. Yeah. Did you, did you feel like up and coming that, um, you felt any of the other female comedian comedians, you know, jealous or that they wanted to kind of, you know, maybe not let your light shine as much. Did you feel any of that sort of competition or not as much? Not as much in that environment. I didn't feel mm-hmm. it, but I've seen it, you know, I, I won't yeah. pretend it's not out there and mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't, but I've definitely seen people like that. And I just, don't have time for it. Like right. I, you know, I definitely am a believer in, and there's plenty of room for all of us in this. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, and I, and I think if you set your own goals and stuff, that really helps you not be, you know, so focused on what someone else is doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's okay. And to me, sometimes if I would see someone get something from the show before, you know, I ended up like, um, selling a show off of a book that I wrote and all these, I mean, they didn't, it didn't end up getting made, but I got to write a script and like even to sell a pilot is hard enough, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got things like that. But if, if I saw someone do it before me, I, I really felt like it helped me go, Oh, it can happen. Right. Like yeah. I looked at it, I looked at it more like, Oh, it's pos- like, okay, well, she's okay. Well, she wasn't mm-hmm. fucking bartending with me last week. So yeah. we're going <laughs> Anything's possible. It almost helped me, like inspired me to be like, don't give up. It's people are getting things around you. That means it's coming, you know? Yeah. Right, right. So let's talk about boys and let's talk okay. about boys. boys. So yes. Ross Matthews um, in, introduced you to your husband, John. Yes. How did that go down? Was it love at first sight? Was it lust at first sight? Was it sex at first sight? <laughs> well, All when three? I finally, when I finally met him, it was definitely sex at first sight. Oh, um, I love that. it. You always yeah. have to test drive the car. You always have to test drive the car. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no, I, I, to me, I'm like, to each his own, but to me, I'm like, I'm not waiting to find out what's yeah. going on down there. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Roxy and I did that. <laughs> we did that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to. Um, you got to. So my husband played, he plays football. So when he was playing um, for the Seahawks, he played there for 10 years. That's when Ross Matthews is a huge Seahawks fan. And he was at a game and he was on the sidelines and John mm-hmm. recognized him because John used to watch Chelsea lately, which is also just kind of funny. And uh-huh. he went up to Ross and was like, um, hey, hey man, big fan. Can you introduce me to Sarah Cologne? I have a huge crush on her. And, and Ross texted me and he's like, oh my God, John Ryan, he's the punter for the Seahawks. He's totally hot. He just asked about you. He's going to tweet you. I think you should, you know, don't ignore it. And he was like, for what it's worth, I've never heard anything bad about him. But because I was like, ew, gross, a creepy athlete hitting mm-hmm. on me. Like, let's not, you know. Um, and then we, he tweeted me and then I kind of like Googled him. I checked it out. I don't know. We started flirting. And immediately I was like, oh, this guy's got like a sense of humor. I had totally stereotyped him in my head before I even gave <laughs> him a chance. Um, and, uh, and I was like, he's great and he's hot by the way. So great. Um, so we kind of started flirting and then it just mm-hmm. kept escalating. And then I didn't actually meet him face to face for like two months. Cause the week we started talking, he went to the Super Bowl. So yeah. Kind of busy. <laughs> yeah. He literally, he was like, he, he played that card. He was like, I'd love to take you out Sunday, but I'm kind of, busy. I was like, okay. um, so we didn't end up meeting until he was done and he came out to, um, Los Angeles and he was in 
Orange County with his family. He took them all to Disneyland after he won the Super Bowl, like just all these great things. And then he took an Uber up to Los Angeles and took me on a date and we had sex and then we got married. Love it. Love it. As it should be. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So what was it about him that sort of first attracted you to him? It was definitely his sense of humor. It caught me okay. off guard. Yeah. Sure it was. Sure uh, it was. Yeah. Well, it was, it was his tap, tap buns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely looked, he looked nice in a uniform. That was for sure too. <laughs> that helped. But when we were actually like tweeting and then, and then moved on to direct messaging and then texting as the kids do these days, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I definitely was like, oh, this guy's got a sense of humor. He's not, he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's not, you know, um, obviously he has played, you know, I was like, he's played professional sports for, it was at that point, it was, you know, several years. And Mm -hmm. so I knew he had obviously a drive and a thing Mm -hmm. that he (laughs) was good at and obviously couldn't be lazy, which I Mm -hmm. had, you know, dated a few lazy people in my past. So that was a turn on too, to be like, this guy's got shit down and he doesn't seem to need anything from me. So let's see how this goes. <laughs> how do you, how do you keep that sexy alive, especially in quarantine? Um, I mean, he has a really nice ass. It helps, you know. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's the reason. <laughs> I mean, does yeah. the butt, so I dated a football player a long time ago, but does, and he was like, so like he had those tight buns, but he was like 28 years old. Do those buns change as we get older? Like, how does they? No. Oh, they, oh, they always they, stay because they're football buns. Like, they have they so, always stay. Yeah, they have so yeah. many, so much muscle in there. <laughs> There's so much muscle, and he has to. He's still playing, so he's got to really. He works out like crazy, so I just think uh, you know that helps. I mean, God knows what's going to happen to my body during this quarantine, but he'll still look good. So. <laughs> I know. Have you been working out during quarantine, like with him, or are you like more chill about that? No, I do. I actually, I think I've gone up there. I, we go up there like six days a week. I mean, he is he, oh. up there. Is like, we have this room above our garage that we turned into a gym for this. Um, and he goes and, I mean, he's definitely doing longer, uh, harder workouts than I am, <laughs> but it helps, it helps me kind of not be lazy. Cause I see him, you know, get up to get ready to go upstairs and work out. And I'm like, uh well, I guess I have nothing else to do. Um, I better go with them. So it kind of helps actually motivate me a little bit. You know, I I actually relate to you on um, this point that you, you had said that you had never wanted kids, right? Yeah, no. So I was totally in your boat as well. Um, then we got a surprise and it's and been an amazing. Up. The <laughs> <laughs> then I got, I got knocked up. I, yeah, the plot <laughs> doesn't work, by the way. Doesn't work. And I also, I guess I test drove the car a little too hard, but, um, <laughs> but um, did you know your whole life that you never wanted kids or was it something that you like re- that revealed itself to you like later on? I, um, the last the last time I remember thinking about it was that yeah. I always knew that I, n- I never did. I just never had a desire. I don't yeah. know what it is. Um, luckily, neither did my John, um, mm. and he is he's seven years younger than me, by the way. So love uh, it. Um, I we also are on um, no birth control, and I assume <gasps> that it's fine. But I'm <laughs> no, like, it's oh, not. It's not I know. fine. I have, two fine. Kids. I have two kids. The second kid, I was like trying for a second kid. I don't know why you think I would have learned my lesson the first time, but I was like, we need it in pairs. So I had this, I tried to for the second one, then we kept having these miscarriages. And then we were like, you know what? The doctor was like, don't try. So I had sex on my period with protection. And we had her. 
<laughs> so I'm telling you, your birth control, you, it, I, you never know. You never know. <laughs> you never That's know. true. I guess right? you never know, especially he's got like 38-year-old athlete sperm. I should probably be dodging Oh, that. that's yeah. strong sperm. That's some yeah. strong sperm. <laughs> I don't understand that show where, and Roxy and I were talking about it, where they're like, oh, I didn't know I was pregnant. I went to the bathroom and the baby came out. I'm like, oh my God. How are you, is your baby the size of your fist? Like, how do you not know? Is it the size of a burger? Like, that was my burger? favorite show. I miss I that, that show. show. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, the best part was like the, the episodes were just named like wherever the baby came <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> so it was like, like one girl ended up giving birth when she was out on a boat. So it was like, <laughs> baby on a boat. And there was like, baby in Ga- the bathroom. Gas baby station there. baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, baby on the sideway of the, (laughs) I was like, how do I get that writing job where I just say, Oh, this is, this is the name of the program. (laughs) Freeway baby. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. I love it. So do you, do you think that women in general, I know this is like such a thing that we always talk about Tamman and I, but do you think that we're as women, we're forced to choose between a family and a career? Like, is that like a thing? I mean, I think in a lot of ways in practice, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, in, in a lot of ways in a practical way you are, because I don't know that I would, um, have been able to continue doing like stand up and all the, you know, the ways that I did had I had a kid, right. but at the same time I see people do it super successfully, but mm-hmm. I think sometimes they, you know, choose to wait a certain amount of time and then have the baby when they're in a better position to where mm-hmm. they know they can go back to work, right? If you're just starting out, then maybe you're like, oh, what if I take this time off? So I think in some ways you are like in an unfair way, you're, you're, you're forced to think about it. Um, but I feel like more and more now people are making the decision more rationally and like, you know, other than the two of you just have surprise babies all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. McDonald's baby. <laughs> I had 10, like Sarah, I had 10 pound babies. I had two 10 pound babies. Which two is, 10 pounders. Which is insane. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. So like, thank God not about, not out of my vagina or my husband would be much more unhappy in this quarantine. <laughs> He'd be like, great, I'm quarantined and you had two 10 pound babies. <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't, but it's, it's, yeah, I feel like I, my career and Roxy's career is so important to each other. And, um, it's hard to juggle it. You know, you never feel like you're doing, you're not giving each as much attention as it could get. And you always feel guilty. So we're like perpetually feeling like we've missed the mark. on both. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, you haven't. And that's the thing is like, it's, it's, I, I think it's just in the, in the unfair way. It's like, we just put that pressure on ourselves and then society does too. And you know, well, if you're doing this, then where, you know, what's happening with your kid? Like the kid's fine. I'm here. My husband's doing that, you know, whatever, every people yeah. figure it out, but it's like people's perceptions are almost what makes you feel like you have to choose between the two. But I don't think you do because you, yeah. you can do both. You just have to do it, you, you know, your way. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think it would be kind of fun if you're up for it, Sarah, to play a game with us, a little game called never have I ever quarantine edition. Okay. <laughs> We like to play this with our with our guests, and um, yeah, I'll let uh, I'll let Tamman have the first go. Okay, never have I ever wanted to kill my husband and bury him in quarantine. 
maybe just once last night. Yeah, maybe just once. Yeah. When he talked about your your your, your cooking. Yeah. <laughs> Is that all you got? Even though even though he basically just repeated what I said, but yeah, I still wanted to sort of. Kill him. <laughs> He was still apologizing this morning, by the way. He's like, and I'm like, no, I understand. And also I did just check um, this morning and my uh, period tracker app says I have three days. So that also. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You're like in the hot zone right now. It's a hot zone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, don't cross me. Yeah. yeah. Don't last, mess. Last time I had PMS, I punched a wall. Not even kidding. And my whole hand was like totally um, bruised. And then the next day I got my period and I was like totally fine. <laughs> and I was like, is this, do I have a mental disorder or is this normal? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. No, it's just a, me- it's a menstrual disorder. I guess. Yeah, right, probably, right. Nothing you can do about it. Okay. Never have I ever stayed in the same underwear for more than two days during quarantine. No, I haven't done that yet. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a chance. Okay. There's a chance. There's a chance. There's a mostly, chance. Mostly because I'm making an effort to shower every day. So, <laughs> Wow. You're you know. showering every day? I, so far, I, wow, sometimes it's just a quick rinse. Well, uh, her, yeah. her husband has good buns, Roxy. Of course, <laughs> I'm showering she... every day. I'd be showering. I've been showering three times a day just in case that cross buns. I know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it! I love it. Okay, never have I ever stopped shaving my armpits or pubic hairs in quarantine. Oh, the pubic hair is—it's you know—it's. <laughs> Off the it's one long strand. Yeah, it is. I was like, I texted some of my girlfriends the other day and I was like, I have never regretted not getting laser hair removal more than I did right now. Like, yeah. It is. And I'm not going to start shaving it because I feel like that's just going to make it worse when I finally yeah. get to get waxed oh, again. So yes. it's like full 70s going. It's okay. You're bringing back the old. You're bringing back like vintage now, you know? It's great. Exactly. Right, vintage exactly. hair, vintage pubic hair. <laughs> Roxy, Roxy, are you shaving your your pubic hair? So I actually had laser done, like so way back there. when. Oh, okay, so it's okay. that's but but there's you get the little strays still that like to pop up and say hi, you know. I and know a like, lot about you. You know that? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. You've basically seen it all and heard it all. <laughs> I, heard I found a grave the other day and I was like, my life is officially over. I'm like, I'm, I'm in quarantine. I found a gray long hair in my vagina. So you know what? I think, I think this is it. I think I should just give up and call it a day. Um, May I suggest uh, not looking that closely. That's what I do. I have no yeah. idea. I don't What's want going to on? Regret. Yeah, I'm just never going to look down there and find out. And yeah. it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, you can just have the lights off during sex. It's easy, you know. Denial, <laughs> denial works. <laughs> okay, never have I ever eaten eaten two dinners in one day during quarantine. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I had a uh, yeah. I, we ordered some some Italian takeout last Saturday that was so good that um I, and we had we were going to split like something as an entree, and I ended up eating both of those as my entree, and we didn't <laughs> get any of the appetizer. So. Yeah. I had to that night. It's okay. You're doing him a favor. You're doing him a favor. You're keeping him in shape for the season, you know? Exactly. There you go. Exactly. There you go. I think you're very giving. You're very giving. <laughs> you, you don't want sag- he doesn't want to have sagging buns. He needs to keep Yeah, exactly. Yes. Keep them tight. Tight and okay. hot. Well, you said you didn't change your underwear. So you do change your underwear, which is really wonderful of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> never have I ever, because I've done this, never have I ever like 
woke up in the same clothes and <laughs> then gone to bed in the same clothes as I woke up in the same day. Like, I did like, that. I did that on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I woke up in like, you know, some PJs and we didn't, I didn't get out of them. So, <laughs> and then I, yeah. I mean, that's like a badge. A badge of honor during the quarantine. Yeah. And I got like d- drunk in them too. I had like mimosas all day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> a good Sunday. That's the way to pass the time too. I've noticed I'm drinking a lot more during quarantine. You know? Yeah. I know. Me too. It's bored. Yeah. It's kind of like we try to push every day. We Every day we're like, let's not have a drink until five. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I stopped drinking. Not not that I like have a big drink. I'm not a big drinker, but I stopped drinking just before quarantine on January 1st because I'm like, this year I'm not gonna drink. I do regret it once and I've had not not a drink. Not that I like have a problem, but I was just like, eh, it doesn't help my PMS personality. Um, or the fact that I punch walls often. Right. Um, <laughs> so I was like, maybe I shouldn't drink. But now I'm like, should I drink? Maybe I should just drink. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you just, it's, yeah, I don't know. I would say if you had a problem, that's where you <laughs> No, no, sure. no, no. Uh, <laughs> don't have one. But if you're feeling good, then I would say, I don't, I mean, well, I'm drinking. not going to give you, I shouldn't give Keep, advice on this. I mean, I'm high. <laughs> I'm high I'm, every day, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm so naughty. I'm so naughty. I'm like, uh, come on, Tam, just a little tequila to ease your way in. I, I don't even know if I've, I've known you for like a good couple of years. I don't even know when I talk to you at night, if you've ever <laughs> not had a few, like if you ever haven't had a tipple, she's like the best. Roxy's the best drinker because she only does it for fun. And those are the best drinkers to be around. She does never do it because like, if she's upset, like, you know, when you go for a drink, she only does it when she's happy or having fun. So she's always happy. And I'm That's like, good. that is the best. <laughs> person to be around. I mean, I, I have my talents. <laughs> oh, Miss Sarah, you're amazing. Oh my God. This has been so much fun. Thank so you fun. for coming on our Sarah. podcast. Thank you. I, I feel you like I was like us? out hanging out with somebody. Like it makes me Yay. so happy. So thanks for having me. <laughs> well, count us as girlfriends now because you're one of ours. Yes. Done. If we ever get out yes. of the computer screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please come back. It's funny because like all these all these guests we're getting, they're like, sure, we'll we'll do it. I'm like, because you have nothing else to do. <laughs> this is your best option. They're like, the, all of us, you know, sometimes you go through the manager or the publicist, but they're now just saying yes because I'm like, because you're fucking stuck. That's why. Can't leave. Can't go anywhere. (laughs) And then they can't say no because they can't be like, I'm so sorry. I'm just so busy. Like, I've got so much on the schedule. I'm like, bullshit. I'm like, (laughs) you're available. But to be to be fair, I was uh, scheduled to do this before the court. I know that's right. That's true. That's true. That's so right. I agreed to it. I didn't that's even true. agree to it out of desperation. So. <laughs> we must be doing something right then. Exactly. <laughs> well, when we go back in the studio, you can come back with us. Yes, yes I would love yes. to. Please like, do. Like, sure, sure thing. <laughs> no, I will. I will play Never Have I Ever with like actual vodka, but um, you don't have to have yes. it. Just rock the yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be drinking by then. Don't worry. This will drive her. This will drive me crazy. Have three months in with my husband, I'll be drinking. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. So, Sarah, tell everybody where they can see you, find you right now. Um, yes. So, um, for tour dates that are obviously mm-hmm. all up in the air, but will soon be rebooked and, and available, those are on sarahcolona.com, C O L O N N A. 
um, and the links to my books um, are on there as well. And then I'm on Instagram at Sarah Colonna one, the number one, because someone got there before me. So I'll help you with that. I can get your name back. You can. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not that connected, but I'm connected in social. I'll help you out there. Uh, all of a sudden, I kind of embrace it now. I'm like, now I'm Sarah Colonna number one, and she's just yeah. Sarah Colonna. I'm like, whatever. You I know. know. I just joined TikTok. I don't know if you guys do TikTok, but someone has my name, and I'm like, bitch, you don't even have any like TikToks on there, so I'm gonna get that. Back. <laughs> we need to TikTok, or are we too old to TikTok? I feel like I'm too old to TikTok. I feel like I'm too old, but I, I downloaded the app, but I still haven't used it. And then I also just don't want to find out that I'm that it's too complicated for me because that'll just make yes. me feel bad about myself. It's, really it's true. It's true. Well, you can uh, find us on t- uh, on Women on Top. On t- Help me out. I've been doing this for like almost two years. I'm like, Women on Top uh, women. official on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Women on Top podcast on Facebook. And I am Tamin Sursak. And I am Roxy Manning. Thank you, Sarah, so much for being Thank with you. us today. And we love you. And we love your stand-up. We love you yes. in so many ways. Thank you for coming. So Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And we are women on on top. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.